Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back to the Celtic Soul podcast with me, Andrew Millen. My guest on the show today will be former Celtic player Rudy Vaca. This episode has been kindly sponsored by Brendan McCann out in Dubai. Thanks to Brendan for his continued support of both the fanzine and the podcast. If your business or Celtic Supporters Club would like to support the podcast and become a sponsor, please email us at info at CelticFanzine.com. You can also contact us through the website or message us on social media. A cocktail of COVID-19 and the international break have played havoc with Neil Lennon's preparation for the top-of-the-table clash tomorrow against the Rangers. El Hamid and Beton have tested positive on international duty with Israel, along with Eddie, who tested positive away with the French under-21s, and Ryan Christie will also miss the game as he has to self-isolate because he came in close contact with former Celtic player Stuart Armstrong, who tested positive in the Scottish team base. Not ideal preparation, you'll all agree, as this virus continues to spread throughout the world, and with no vaccine in sight, everyone's just trying to juggle living with this thing and trying to get back to some sort of normality without spreading the virus even more. It's good to see on social media that some Celtic fans will be able to get together and watch the game in safety. I see the boys in Dubai have stuff organised and over in Australia and New Zealand. But for us in Ireland and indeed our fellow fans in Glasgow, no such luck. Not only can we not get the Celtic pack, but we can't even go to pub now to watch this game. As governments have ramped up measures to try to contain the virus as it seems to be spreading and spreading. There have been a section of the Celtic support who have been unhappy with Neil Lennon and his rotation of the squad. Maybe now they might think it's a positive as we go into the game without key players to start or key players on the bench. The more game time the whole squad has got is all the better in these worrying times. We need a big squad, we need to be able to compete and we need to be able to compete if we lose key players. Rudy Vatter was signed by Liam Brady in the summer of 1992 in Dublin after a man-of-the-match performance for Albania against Ireland. He won the Scottish Cup under Tommy Bones in 1995 and is remembered fondly for scoring against Rangers 
from a free kick and a 3 0 win for the Hoops. Hi, Rudy. You're very welcome to the Celtic Soul podcast. The last time we spoke was back in McCool's in Glasgow at one of our live shows before the Celtic Rangers game. A lot has happened since then with the coronavirus spread throughout the world. The league was cancelled and Celtic were awarded the title. Strange times. Strange times, but we have to survive, my friends. I am a survivor, so I am used to much more difficult times than that in my life. So for me, it's like, it's it's a normality to me because I can adjust very easy. And I am a very positive person. And I don't like to believe that the this, this situation can, can bring me down or can create can put me in a difficult uh, in a difficult situation. I always think to stay healthy, to work hard, and to make sure that I do the right thing. Health is important, the most important thing in this period, and uh, you need to look after yourself, and you need to make sure you are doing the right things, you're eating the right things, you're thinking the right things, you're sleeping and having enough enough time to to, to feel life. Great to hear some positivity there, Rudy. Thanks for that. I know from chatting to you before, you, you've always got a positive outlook on life, and I'm sure the listeners will be happy to hear that. Now, as I said, strange times. Celtic take on Rangers on Saturday. You've played and scored in these games, but you've always had fans in the stadium. Do you think this will give Stephen Gerrard's team an advantage? And how do you mm. see the game getting played out? Well, when you look at football right now, it doesn't seem real to me. To be honest, football without fans, it's, it's just like training, to be honest. Even in training sessions, if fans were allowed, there will be, there'll be fans there following their, their team. You know? But uh, when you think that Celtic is playing Rangers, and when you think this, those clubs, they've been, they've been in so many big, big atmospheres and the fans are everything in this kind of game. So without the fans, again, I think the game is going to be is going to be sad. It's not going to be the same kind of game. And it's a shame because the players also, they need the fans. And of course, the fans need the players to be there. But uh, that's the way it it is right now, and for sure, uh, Rangers going at Celtic Park. For sure, they without fans there, they'll be they'll be comfortable. They'll be comfortable. They'll be thinking the fans at Celtic Park are almost like the twelfth player for for the for the team. So I don't know. It's I never ever experienced to play in an official game without fans and I don't know the feeling but I can imagine all the players are feelings and even the managers and it's strange it's strange and it's it's not normal but uh, it's a game to be played and it's a game to be won and the Celtic players they are good enough in the team and they they sit on top of the league there they of course there is a long way to go but they have they have a big achievement to achieve at the end of the season for the, the 10 in a row so i am sure that uh, they they'll, the preparation will be right and Neil Lennon's players are going to to give their their all to make sure that uh, they get the point Celtic Park now you played, as I said, you played in these games and you spoke there about Neil Lennon. How important is the motivation that the manager will give the players with no fans? Because obviously you said you played when, when the stadiums were full. The atmosphere obviously drove you on, the, the fans, the 12th man. Like can, you, can you take us back to you know, 
your time in the dressing room and on these occasions? Well, uh, those games, as you know, and we know, everybody knows those games. The motivation is it's it all depends on the player itself. The manager cannot tell you how important is this game for the fans, for the history, for the club. This game is is I think one of the biggest game in football. So and uh, for the players to understand that it. it they don't need to. They don't need to 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 look at to to listen to someone to tell them. They understand straight away. As soon as you sign for Celtic Football Club, the history, the tradition is there to tell you that uh, this is something big you're going to be part of. And especially playing on those uh, games, then when you have the first experience, it's. It's when you realize that's what it means. And when you win, it's also, of course, one of the best feelings a football player can get because that's, that's, make, that's make the life completely full. And, um, but I am sure that uh, it, will be, it, it will be very, very difficult not to have the fans in the stadium. As I say, for Celtic, the fans are everything, you know. For any big club like Celtic, I think fans are very, very important. And uh, the manager, it's of course, is going to give all the information about the opponents. He's going to try and set up the team with the best players that he thinks he can have available and can perform and get the points. But it's again, it's the players are going to perform there. Uh, they need to be engaged from the first second till the last second of the game. They need to be very well concentrated and they need to make sure that they they work for the fans also because the fans are going to be all over the world. They're going to be in front of the television to watch this game. So it's uh, it's a big responsibility you know this game is a big big responsibility because there'll be millions of millions of viewers all over the world watching that game and uh, especially in those difficult times when there's no much uh, to to enjoy you know this game is something that everybody is waiting with with and they can, they can. I'm sure there are so many fans talking nonstop about these games. And and again, it's it's big and it's big responsibility. Big big responsibility. Do, do you remember uh, how you felt when you when you bent that ball around the wall, score against Rangers in the dream? Of course, I do remember. I do remember because as I say, until you try, until you 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 experience that. That moment you understand what it means, you know, to score a goal against Rangers. It's it's and you cannot describe the feeling, you know. To to win, it's also very very special, you know. And but those moments they they build they build your 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 career. They make you feel proud, and they and later on in life you. You look back and you say, at least, yes, I know what it feels. I know what it means because I was there. And uh, it's it's great. It's great to have it, to have that kind of experience. I think it's it's fantastic, you know, makes you feel proud, make you feel strong, make you feel uh, very comfortable in life. 
Now, Rudy, we've looked back there at that game against Rangers, but I want to I want to take it if you can take the listeners back to growing up in communist Albania and those early years and and how you you began playing football. Well, I was born in Albania. I, Albania was a communist country for over for almost fifty years, and I became I became an adult in Albania. I became twenty one years old. In Albania, obviously, to be born in a country like Albania, it's it's not easy. You know, it was the worst dictatorship I think in the history of the human being, and we had no freedom. And when you don't have freedom, you don't get opportunities. And we all know that without opportunities, you cannot build up your future. And uh, the thing. The thing was that uh, there was very strict in those times, you know, and the communists were so bad. It was not like in the other ex-communist countries, you know, they still had the freedom to travel or to wear whatever they want. But in our country, we were not allowed to to even imagine that you could have a pair of blue jeans to, to wear, you know, that was totally illegal. And never mind to have a chewing gum, chewing gum, or simple thing. First time I drank a Coca Cola, I think I I was when I went with the national team abroad. I was 18, 19 years old. I tried for the first time the Coca Cola, how it tasted. But that's how it was then. I had to make a decision when the right time arrived for me in 1991. I had to. We were going to play Albanian. Albania had to play France at Parc de Prince, March 1991, and I made I had made the decision. Then after the game, I will uh, I will uh, look for political asylum. I will stay in France, so I can I can build my my future in uh, Western countries like France and and yeah take that opportunity and use it as uh, as much as I can and make sure that I'm going to to achieve what I wanted to achieve because I wanted to be a, a professional football player in West. I wanted to have that kind of experience and I had to escape. I had to escape. I left the national team after the game. I had $50 with me in the pocket, a pair of football boots in my football bag, and a pair of jeans, T-shirt, and a jacket. And with $50 in my pocket, I started to build up my life. So it started there in France, 1991. My professional career started then. But you, you were refused political asylum, so how did you manage to stay in the country? I was refused political asylum because they treated my case as uh, I, I was. They they say that I was not tortured in my country. I was not persecuted, so I was one of the privileged people in the country. So the French, the French, they they did refuse, but in the meantime, they could not deport me. Because I had, uh, I didn't have a permanent uh, visa to stay in the country, but the club I was involved with, they they got they got kind of a working visa at the time, 
And then uh, in 1992, uh, when I was allowed to go and play back for national team because the regime collapsed and after nine, early 1992. So in June 92, I went back to play for national team. And uh, it happens that we played Spain way in 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 Seville, and then after Spain, we had to go and play Ireland in Dublin. So uh, after the game in Dublin, I was uh, I was uh, voted man of the match, and it happened that in this game. Uh, and in the main stand in the VIP area was sitting Liam Brady, the the manager of Celtic at the time, and he made some inquiries about my availability. And that's it. Uh, when I find out Celtic is interested, then that was the top news for me at the time. I was just about I was going to sign for for a French uh, club. And when Celtic uh, when Celtic came up with the interest, then I made my mind straight away, and I says, "Listen, I'm I, I want to do that. I want to go to Scotland and play for Celtic." So it was it was more or less uh, a, a very very simple decision. I wanted to get that opportunity. And uh, that's 1992, August, I believe, 92, I signed for Celtic. And uh, that's where it started the next uh, stage because I, I stayed almost uh, 19 months in France. I had some, I had some very difficult times, but it's to, to explain everything what's happened, to tell what's happened in France, it's... It can I can write I can write a book about difficulties and and how hard it was. But in my mind and in my head, I was very strong that is nothing is going to back me off. I am going to make it, and I worked so hard and I was thinking nonstop just to make it. And I managed through hard work and eventually it paid off, you know, because uh, when Celtic came with the proposition, that was, I think, that was the biggest, biggest news I had in my life until then. I'm just going to stay in Dublin now, okay? Liam Brady is in the stand. Am I right in saying that, because from speaking before, you had no agent. And you didn't speak English? No. no, I didn't have an agent. I had a French guy who looked after me, actually, because uh, the French guy, uh, the French guy was the sponsor of the club. I had, I, I had a bad injury when I arrived in France. I had no insurance. I had no, I had, I could not cover the hospital uh, expenses. So this French guy, he asked me to to help me and uh, more or less it was him who contacted directly with the with the secretary of Celtic and they made the the whole arrangement you know he was was the woman who was speaking french he could speak the french guy the name was Jean René Belliard 
Jean-René Belliard was, uh, he had, uh, he was a businessman more or less, and he treated, he took care of my, of my expenses, and more or less he did that kind of uh, job at the time for me, you know. He was not an agent, but he 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 took care of my situation. He looked after a lot. Now, Liam Brady, while he was in Italy, he learned to speak Italian. You also spoke Italian because um, a, a, a priest had had taught you Italian back in Albania, and you conducted your conversations with Liam in Italian. That that priest, um, really. Am I right yes. in saying that? Am I right in saying that um, Catholicism was banned in Albania? And how did how did this priest? Well, how was he available to to teach you Italian? And can you just tell us a little bit about that situation? Well, I when I was about nine years old, my parents they decided to. It was it was in in their mentality they always they used to tell me that more languages you speak more doors you you'll open in your life and uh, and they decided to to employ in an illegal way because this priest he had spent about 20 he was an ex priest at the time he was not a priest anymore he 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 had been in prison for 22 years because he was a priest uh, we in in albania we are now allowed to follow the religion the communists decided uh, after second world war they decided to 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 shut all the churches all the mosques whatever was there and the priests they were put to prison most of them they were killed because they they this they spoke about god they they wanted peace they wanted freedom obviously that with the communists didn't go along and they my parents contacted this man who had been in prison and we had an underground room and we went we went to study twice a week italian me and my brother my brother was 11 years old. I was nine years old. We started twice a week, Tuesdays and Fridays, uh, Italian. And in that room, underground room we had. So we, we, we became, uh, I became, uh, I started to speak Italian, obviously. By 10 years old, I could speak Italian. I could understand Italian uh, uh, very good, and uh, thank to this priest, and thanks to my also my dedication. And I I wanted to learn Italian because it was something that really really made me feel good, and that helped me a lot because Liam Brady and me we discussed Italian on, in every situation, and he helped me to to explain how things are in in Scotland and and many many things so thanks to that priest and thanks to my parents upbringing i had to i became uh, i became obviously i became that kid that could speak italian when i was 10 years old and rudy your folks said to you that you know speak as many languages as possible and it would it would open doors for you how many languages does rudy have to speak now 
I speak six languages now. So I have, uh, I played in Germany. So I, I, I learned German. I, I, French was easy to learn because uh, Italian and French, obviously they all, they are both Latin. They come from the Latin language. So it was not easy, but it helped me a lot. Knowing Italian, it helped me a lot to, to, to learn the French. I learned the, I learned obviously English when I was here, and uh, and of course Albanian, and I speak uh, also Serbo-Croatish, the Yugoslavian language. So that's 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 how I learned. But the experiences they helped me a lot playing in different countries and having those experiences. I think they 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 created. Uh, they created too much possibilities for me to learn the language, to understand the tradition, to understand the mentality and the history of uh, of of those countries I worked in, and and it's great because it's that you feel you feel fooled, you feel rich, you know. You cannot you cannot buy knowledge, and you cannot. You can have a lot of money, but you cannot buy knowledge. You know, you cannot go to supermarket and say, "Here, I want to to buy a language." You know, you need to go through stages, and you need also to have that passion. And in general, I was very passionate about uh, about learning, and I and I'm always hungry. I like always to learn. I like to discover. I like to I like to progress. That's the only way. Like Einstein says, Einstein used to say that uh, every time I read a book, I understand what an ignorant I am. So <laughs> we, so we always can uh, learn, and nothing, and learning never stops. And that's that's my opinion. So and that makes you that makes you great because in any country I go, I can communicate and I can have. Um, it makes life easier, more or less. You know, it makes life easier. That's what I can say. So, really, you arrive in Glasgow after being signed. The, the Glaswegian accent is, is a lot different than the Queen's English. And, 100%. Uh, so, um, you, you, you have to learn, I suppose, the language and you have to learn the dialect. Through, through those years, Rudy, like, there was a lot of turmoil at Celtic. Liam was replaced by Lou McCary. The old board was oisted. The Fergus McCann era arrived. A new stadium was being built. Celtic got homeless and the rent in Hamden for the year as the, as the stadium's rebuilt. We finally lift some silverware and you play in that final in 95. Uh, 100%. So much happened on and off the park in those years. Just tell the listeners about, you know, the time on the park because it's well documented time on the park but fill us in what it was like off the park in Glasgow back then for an, for a, you know for someone arriving from you know Albania to this city that we all love but I'm telling I'm tell I, I I told you when I arrived here I had to obviously was not was a very difficult decision to make because I was I was living in a beautiful country and I was almost settled in perfectly well you know but Something told me, and you need to go there. You need that experience because that will help you a lot. And that's what I, I didn't think twice. And I felt sorry when I left 
fronts, but I didn't feel didn't feel very bad. So I knew that I'm coming to a new country, new language, new people, new tradition. The weather is different. The food is different. So, but again, I came here to progress, and I wanted to make to have that experience in such a big club because that kind of experience would come once in a lifetime. So I wanted to make most of it. And it was very difficult, you know. The language was very was very difficult to understand the English. I used to come home every day after training, used to sit down, write down notes and sentences from different TV programs, and whatever you got in, whatever I had in the television. And I used to learn a lot of English. And when I used to go at Celtic Park, I used to listen to what Peter Grant is saying, Charlie Nicholas, Joe Miller. I couldn't understand the word. And I thought this is... <laughs> and I was, I was understanding quite well what I was listening in television because everything was spoken clearly and made, uh, obviously, it was simple for me. And when I went on that dressing room, at Celtic Park, everything was uh, totally different. So it took it took quite a bit for me to to start to to understand. And uh, but again, it's an experience. And when you go through those situations after that, it felt like uh, the club is is going through those stages, and I am going through those stages alongside the club. So. The club was having so many difficulties with the Kellys, and then uh, the Kem uh, McCann, Fergus McCann came, and he he bring uh, Lou Macari, and then Lou Macari left and come Tommy Burns, and then we they decided to build uh, to to rebuild the Celtic Park. We moved to Hamden. But again, that was a procedure that was going along with me. I was growing. Celtic was growing. I was developing. Celtic was developing. At the end, we won the trophy in '95, and that again was a great achievement for me because uh, that was that was yeah a big big thing for me again for an Albanian to leave his country. I was the first Albanian to win. Uh, win a trophy in a western uh, western country so was some top, great great achievement and again nobody can take that away from me but as i say celtic was growing i was growing alongside you know celtic was developing achieving better things and me the same so until uh, until everything ended up in uh, 1996 you know and that's it. I spent four seasons, 92-96, and I scored against Rangers, won the trophy, the only trophy as a manager. Tommy Burns won was 1995, the Scottish Cup. So I was part of that, uh, that, that history, and I am very proud of it. I am very, very proud, and I feel, uh, I feel, I feel good. I feel really good. I have great, great relationship with the fans, and uh, I was not the best player in the world. But whatever I had, I gave it for Celtic. You know, and to be honest, I was never there for the money. You know, material thing didn't mean anything to me. The most important thing for me was because I was happy waking up every morning, 
and uh, walking into that front door of Celtic Park was the best feeling in the world, you know, and I looked forward, even though the weather was horrible and people were happy, people were smiling, people were welcoming you, and it was a very warm atmosphere, and and I had uh, I had great time. Rudy, is Glasgow, do you consider Glasgow home? I consider Glasgow home because people make you feel like home, you know. And uh, Glasgow is not my home. Scotland is not my country. But I, I feel home because I feel comfortable with the people. You know, people treat me good. People are kind of respectful. You give respect, you get respect back. That's life. That's what life is all about. So I think uh, you need to earn the respect, you know. You don't, again, you cannot buy respect. You need to earn. And you earn it because you do something right. And uh, again, I I earned the respect. People realize, the fans realize I was uh, fully committed. I give my best. I give my all. But not just Celtic. That's my life. That's how I am. I, I, I live life. I give everything. When I get committed to something, I am 100% on it. So, and people appreciate that. That's very simple. Yeah, I always find, Rudy, when I, when I talk to you, um, and especially when I interview you and we have an audience, that um, the conversations are inspirational and people always comment after them and come up to us. And life after Celtic, you, you know, you played in numerous countries, you managed, you became a football agent, uh, you've, you've been successful in business. Like, kind of, you know, it's an inspirational story to come from where you came from to where you are, but yet you still you still um, are respectful to everybody. And as you said, you you went to Celtic for the money. Hundred percent. I didn't go for the money. If if Celtic had offered me, if I had uh, been working for the Celtic for the same amount of money, I would never left. You know, because that day was was very sad. I said early on when I left France, I was I felt sorry, but I was not sad. You know. When, when I when I had to leave Celtic, that that for me was like a disaster, you know, really disaster. Because those people, as I said, had great connection with the kid man, with the lady there, in whoever, with all the people of the club. I was so close, you know. I had I, I had a great, great, great attachment to them, you know. And it felt like I am losing one very important part of my body, you know. It's great. And but again, I had to be strong. I had to, I had to to make sure that I am going to live because I had still. I was young. I had to play and I had to make my living and I had to to build up to create my family and so and so. But again. Uh, was was not easy, you know, and it's not easy for any foreigner coming to a club like Celtic, adapting, settling, accepting, and you know, nowadays it's all about material. But I was a poor man to be honest. But again, the the love you cannot uh, you cannot buy again. Love you cannot buy, and this is some kind of love affair I had, you know was mine, you know, for four seasons, 
I was there. I was deeply in love with the club, and I felt the club was in love with me for some reason. That's what kind. That's why I felt at the time, you know. And I knew because when people like you and respect you and they welcome you, you feel like. Yeah, they like me. They love me. I love them. Simple as that. It's simple. It's an emotion. You get it or you don't get it. It's, I cannot say the same thing. I live in France, in Germany for four years, but I cannot say the same. I had the same kind of connection with the people in Germany as I had in in Scotland. You know, so and again, Germany was also a great, great experience. Played in Bundesliga. But uh, this is more than this is more than an experience when you play for Celtic. It's much more than an experience, you know. Uh, and off the field, Rudy, as well. You, you, you met your wife in Glasgow. Yeah, in Hamilton, ninety-five, I think, December, just six months before. Uh, six months before I left Celtic, six seven months. So, and uh, yeah, she travelled with me. And she came with me in Cyprus, in Germany, in Japan, Albania. So, and that's we are back since 2004. Now we are back in Scotland, and uh, that's it. Life, it's it's beautiful. Now you said that um, Albania is is home, although you, you, you've got a love for Glasgow. Now they've they've named it. The Celtic Supporters Club after you, the full Celtic Supporters Club in Albania. Uh, must be very proud. And the president is always tweeting about Celtic. What's the connection there, Rudy, with the president? The president is an old friend of mine. He was uh, he was a weightlifter. He was, he's a, he was a sportsman in Dinamo. Uh, when I was in Dinamo, we, we spent time together. I was a young man, 18 years old. I went to, to play for Dinamo Tirana when I was studying in University of Sports there. And the president was part of that club as well, Ilir. And uh, he was doing weightlifting. I was playing football, but we, we had uh, some kind of friendship at the time. Later on in life, he became um, the prime minister of the country. And uh, he had uh, to deal with in late 90s, he had to deal with George Robertson, a big Celtic fan. Mr. Robertson was the Secretary of State of uh, United, uh, Secretary of Defense of United uh, Kingdom of Britain, and then he became the Chief of NATO. And uh, earlier, he was he became very close because with the situation in Kosovo and Albania. And they spoke a lot about Celtic and about myself because Mr. Robertson, George Robertson, was also the MP of my area in Hamilton. And I knew him personally. So, And Ilir became a fan of, obviously, because he was a prime minister. He came to visit national team very often. He supported us many times. We played actually against Greece in late 90s. And he he was... He gave us a big bonus to beat them. You know, we had a lot of difficulties with our people had immigrated in Greece. They were not very good treated by there and they were discriminated a little bit. And when national team played Greece in Albania, earlier he, he put a, a bonus for the team to win, I believe, at the time was 
in the region of two hundred thousand uh, dollars for the team to beat Greece. We beat Greece, and he kept the promise. He gave us, I think, big bonus. Everybody got over ten, fifteen thousand, something like the players who played ten, fifteen thousand dollars for that win, and all our people. In Greece, we were working in Greece, almost a million people. They were very proud of themselves. We made them feel proud at the time, you know. So that's how we kept uh, our contact with Ilir. We stayed friends in terms of friends. And uh, last year, actually, was when everything started, when began, because he was in... Uh, in Bosnia and Scotland, uh, Celtic had to play uh, Sarajevo in Champions League last season. And Ilir was there for for his work. I don't know. He was in a meeting with the Balkan leaders. I'm not sure exactly. And after that meeting, he said that I went into the street. I had, he says, uh, a green tie and a white shirt on, he says. And some of the... I, I he he ended up uh, meeting some fans in the town there in Sarajevo, and they they said something about his guy he believed, and then he realized those are the Celtic fans, and then he 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 asked them about me, and they started to to sing my name, the Celtic fans, and Ilio ended up uh, drinking beers with those fans in in the center of Sarajevo. And uh, they had some fun there, great time. He enjoyed that. He became kind of, he was very emotional about it. And he said, my God, those people are, are different, you know. These people have been all over the world, he says. But I've seen football fans, but those fans, those fans are something. And he called me, he contacted me, and he thanked, I believe, them after. And since then, he became addicted so Celtic, now he's addicted to Celtic. So he's telling me all the time, but he's giving me news actually about Celtic. <laughs> so the time. He's telling you now. Well, it's a very positive addiction. <laughs> so it's, uh, yeah, that's it. To be honest, it's, uh, we, we had this, uh, he thought, and I proposed, I'd say it's, it's good if we can have the Celtic supporters club Albania. What do you think? And he, he, he thought that he says, yeah, we do that, even though we need to do a lot of work to build up uh, the basis. And Albania is a country, normally we, they watch a lot of the Serie A games there and they are crazy about Juventus, Inter, Milan. And but Celtic now is it's there, so people are starting to to build up and to to kind of become friends. We are thinking for a convention to have a convention next year, uh, and we need to find the right place, I think, and to, for the people to come and to have a good time there. And uh, yeah, but right now the political situation is not great in Albania. And he's a bit uh, engaged with what's going on. and uh, But he's a Celtic fan now. He's the number one Celtic fan. And then first president of any country to become a Celtic fan. And he's asking me for scarves. He's asking me for jerseys, for everything. So he wants everything now. Whatever is involved with Celtic, he wants to have. So 
April is the funds that is going to come and is going to be there. He says to me, I like to sit with the normal funds. I want to sit there with the Green Brigade, he says, and oh, that's why I like to go. <laughs> Unbelievable. So, so he, he's planning. Hopefully things will get better. We'll get the freedom again and and the funds can be allowed and then Lira will come for sure. Brilliant. Now, close to the home, um, your own son Rocco is on Celtics books. He's also playing underage for Ireland and there's a lot of talk about him, uh, how good of a player he is in Glasgow at, in the underage setup. But he's he's played underage for Ireland. What's the connection there? His granny is Irish, so from the mother. So she's from Dublin, and uh, obviously Rocco's mother and Francis, she's half Scottish, half Irish. So her mom is Irish, her father is Scottish. And uh, Ireland, they recognize the the Irish affair recognized that uh, Rocco can play for Ireland because of that connection. And they made the inquiries, and they uh, were very, very professional. They were very quick to react, and it all it all came naturally. He asked. Uh, me what I think I says whatever you wish and Ireland was the first country to 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 come up with a proposition with a plan and uh, he became the under 15 now he's under 16 or 17 I don't know but he's very happy he's been treated very well by the Irish FA and by the coaches and and he's having great time with the players there um, back home they are calling me a traitor in Albania <laughs> because <laughs> because in their culture is that you must dictate to your child to where to go but at the end of the day I learned everything by freedom because the good things I learned when I lived as a free human being you know and I know that my child is free to choose and nobody is going to dictate him what to do and how to do it. If he is happy to make a decision, fine. He can go along with it. I can advise him, but I cannot dictate him. And uh, I would love him to play for Albania. But if he feels like he wants to play for Ireland, then let it be so. Uh, it's nothing I can do, and as long as he's happy, and as long as he makes the pro the right progress and he develops, because he has he has a lot, he has a lot of potential. I don't go and watch him, but I hear that people are saying a lot of good work, good things about him. He's he's a talented boy. He's got passion. He's got he's got everything that is required for him to become a top, top player. But if he doesn't work hard and if he doesn't become a top professional to live, to eat, to drink, to sleep football, he, he's going to waste his opportunity, you know. This this is a very, very 
beautiful game to play, but it's it's one of the most difficult jobs to maintain, to keep up with the demands. You need to be you need to be very very smart, and you need to dedicate your life to that job if you want to make it to go right to the top. And he is born in a in a beautiful country. Is working with a big club. He has the potential. Everybody's seen him. Has big hopes. I always believe in good things. I try to advise him to make sure he always listen and put his head down and work. And if he stay humble, if he has the right attitude, and if he's focused, I think he's going to become something very big and very special. If he wastes his energy, his time for small things that are not related to football, then he can become a mediocre player or he can not even make it because this game is very, very, very delicate. You know, you need to be in the right time and you need to wait for that moment. And when it comes, you need to take it. The opportunity will come once and there is everybody out there looking for that opportunity. But as I say, he's in a free country with lots of opportunities and he can he can decide whatever he feels like as long as he's doing the right thing. Well, I'm sure he's got a proud granny and mammy when he pulled on that green jersey because uh, I know Irish grannies and, and Irish mammies. Um, but inspirational words, I'm sure, he gets from you, Rudy. Um, and as you say, he's a talented kid. Ireland have lost uh, two talented players in, in Rice and Grealish recently to the England senior setup after we had them through the, the youth and the underage system. So hopefully Rafa does make it and hopefully he becomes a senior player with Ireland because we're, we're a small country and we're always on the lookout for the best players we can bring in through the diaspora. Now, Rudy, this conversation is, is, is coming to an end and we've had conversations at our live shows but we never get the full story of Rudy Vata. So when are we going to read the book? Because in that book, there's probably even a film. Because the Rudy, Rudy Vata story has to be told. Good question. Good question, my friend. But there are many people who ask me to write a book. And uh, you know something, Andrew? To be honest, I never, never took my time to think about it, you know? I know that it's going to be a great book and I know it it's it's a story that cannot be repeated you know because as you know and now the communists are dead they're not going to to be reborn you know and this story cannot happen twice you know in the heart of Europe Albania is right in the heart of Europe to have a country who has a dictator with the name like Enver Hoxha, I don't think the history of a human being will never have again, you know. But as I say, I need to, I need to speak to serious people and I need to speak to dedicated people who understand my story, maybe, and who feel that they can uh, 
they can uh, they can help me to write the book because I cannot write the book on my own, to be honest. I had certain people asking me, but I had the feeling that they were not the right people, you know. So maybe, maybe, maybe soon, or you never know. I will, uh, I will find the right person and write that book, and and that's it. Because I am in that book, you can learn a lot, you know, and you can. It's an inspirational book because it comes from a man who was born very poor in a very poor country as I say, is in the middle of Europe and uh, went through some stages that you can think they are almost impossible. But even when you're flat down, you still have a chance to survive. And that's what I did. You know, Maybe I was right flat on the ground with no hope and nothing, but I still believed I can. You know, And one of the most inspirational moments in my life i tell you when i was in france i was desperate for news desperate to get something i was and i asked that mr jean rené belliard i says what's happened what's going on because at the one point with celtic things were not they were he was not giving me enough good news if what if i'm going to sign or not and he told me, il faut croire, he says, you need to believe is going to happen. And growing up in Albania, we didn't grow up with believe in belief, but that word, you need to believe, made me realize that I have to think about that word, believing. So I believe I'll write my book, but I don't know exactly when that time is going to be the right time. Well, Rudy, I'm sure there's still more chapters in the Rudy Vata story. But as I said, we would love to we would love to read the full story. Celtic was a club founded by refugees. Rudy Vata yes. was a refugee. He came to play for that club. And it's just gone full circle with your son returning to play for Ireland, a country of, I suppose, Give the, me. Uh, the, the, the early Celtic founding fathers. So 100%. your story is just, it, it's so unique, Rudy. And I always get goose pimples when I speak to you because it's just an amazing, amazing story. So I'd like to thank you very much for opening up your, your Celtic soul to us on the podcast. And I look forward to chatting again, Rudy, because every single time I chat to you, I learn something new. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you for the interview and thanks to all the Celtic fans for supporting me. And I wish them luck and health and all the very best in that future. And remain positive and remain strong because they can. They need to believe that difficult times, but we can. We can. We can all manage and we, we, we get back to normality soon, hopefully. Uh, and when we do get back to normality, really, we'd love to see you over in Ireland. We'd love to have you for one of our nights that maybe you would come and speak because you're inspirational. 100% will do that, Andrew. Thank you so much, Rudy. You take care. Thank you. I think all the listeners will agree that Rudy's story needs to be told in full. Let's hope he does get that book written. And as I said, there's a movie in this story. More Than 90 Minutes, issue 110, is still available. We have a small number of print copies left. If you want to go online 
onto the website you can buy them you can also download the digital edition or alternative you can take out a quarterly or yearly subscription with no ground or match day sales your support is much appreciated to keep the print copy alive we start work on issue 112 early next week check out our new t-shirt designs which can be pre-ordered and we will stick a little Christmas gift in with each order did I just mention Christmas and it's not even Halloween there you go you have to get the punt out early as always thanks to our producer Ron McQuillan if you like what we're doing and you would like to support us, you can do so for a fiver or the price of a pint at CelticFanzine.com. You can become a member, subscribe, buy or donate. Thanks to everyone who has listened and supported us so far. Don't forget to download our new app, it's free, and then you will have access to all our podcasts, articles, daily news, video, event information, the fanzine and our online shop all at the touch of a button on your phone or tablet. All episodes of the podcast are now available on all platforms, so hit the subscribe or follow button so you never miss an episode. Also, hit the subscribe button on our YouTube channel, Celtic Fans in TV, and you won't miss our new show. We've been working hard on it, but COVID has once again struck, and new restrictions have held up the new vodcast and the new live social distance shows. But we're going to have a rethink, and we should have more news for you soon. Thanks again to our episode sponsor, Brendan McCann, over there in Dubai. Much appreciated, Brendan. Keep the faith. If your business or Celtic Supporters Club like what we're doing with the podcast and would like to become a sponsor, please email us at info at and you can also contact us through the website or message us on social media. Keep all your comments coming in and let us know what guests you would like us to get on the show. And if you have a story to tell, get in contact. And also, if your Supporters Club is an event coming up or some news for us, get in contact and we'll give you a plug. We will be back on Tuesday with episode 34 when another guest will be opening up their Celtic soul to us and we will look back on the Rangers game and look ahead to the visit of AC Milan to Celtic Park. So all that's left to say folks now is once again thanks for listening, enjoy the weekend and let's hope Celtic can get a positive result against the Newco on Saturday. It's another game on our virtual season ticket at home, another week without visiting Celtic Park but I do hope to get out to the local beer garden for a few points to celebrate. So stay tuned, stay safe and as always, keep the faith. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.